Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined by my co-host, Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing fantastic, Derek. It is the McDonald's All-American Game Day. and uh, I know a game that didn't get didn't get played the last two years. Is that right? Because or was it? I don't think it was played last year. I think they selected the teams. Is that how it was? Yeah, I believe I believe you're right. So two years, three years actually since the McDonald's All American Game. So you have to go back to 19 because it didn't get played in 2020 due to the pandemic. So you're you're getting to see the best of the best in the high school ranks. Kentucky has two of those guys. The SEC loading up on talent again. Arkansas got another one last night. So. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to kind of lead into some Kentucky basketball roster talk, even though we don't really have any official decisions outside of Dante Allen. We can kind of speculate maybe on some things that we think Kentucky needs to do in the coming weeks or the next couple of months to kind of solidify itself as a contender again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the very least, uh, there will be a lot of influx as always, both people coming and going. But the two guys we know for sure, uh, well, we think we know for sure, <laughs> two guys that are signed anyway, uh, Case and Wallace and Chris Livingston playing in the McDonald's game tonight. Looking forward to seeing what those guys can do. Uh, talked with you a little bit yesterday and uh, not necessarily crediting Kyle Tucker on this, but Kyle's got a, an old boss who lives in Texas and has been watching Kaysen for a little bit, I think at least the last few years, and he's been beating the drum for a long time. That Kaysen's going to be a special two-way player in college, and uh, I was watching the highlights, and again, it's just a 12-minute video or whatever on YouTube. It's not – try not to draw too many huge takeaways. One, it's an all-star game practice, although, Sean, in some of those cases, the all-star practices are more competitive than what the actual game will be. Um, but, man, he just looks like a smooth player and a guy who I think uh, – is really going to help this team next year. And I, I didn't see quite as much as on Chris Livingston, but I did read a story at 24-7 Sports that Chris was listed uh, along with Kaysen uh, as one of the top performers from, I believe, Sunday's practice or maybe Monday. Yeah, I think it was Sunday's practice. So those are two guys I'm really excited about because when you look at this past class, the way it ended up, I mean, Ty Ty was the only guy in that freshman class that by the end of the season, you know, was really able to help them. Uh, in the long run and I think uh, for these two guys there's there's no question in my mind that they're both going to show up from day one uh, and be important players on next year's team yeah Kaysen that video you're talking about the highlight clip he kind of showcased everything in his offensive game he, he showcased uh, his ability to finish at the rim that that mid-range game he had a floater or two uh, the three-point shot creating his own shot starting to become a guy Derek that I think maybe you see play some one at times, maybe with the ball in his hands. And obviously we want to see what Kentucky's roster looks like, but that's something I mentioned to you yesterday that, of a scenario that could play out depending on who's on the roster. Uh, Chris Livingston, another guy with, with face-up skills and can, can shoot the ball from outside. You, you saw some of his athleticism last night in the dunk contest and, and things like that. But you mentioned how Ty Ty was the only guy the only freshman that was able to really help them this year. And, and here they are again in the spring, depending on what happens with Shaden Sharp, but obviously that complicates their recruiting class rankings. Cause if he were a part of it, they wouldn't be where they are in the, in the composite and, and everything overall in the rankings. But when you look at this, this is the second straight spring where they've had two guys committed last year. It was Damien and Bryce, and then they get Ty Ty late. 
Uh, this could be a group if Shaden Sharp goes to the NBA, no Sky Clark now that you bring two high school players into your roster and the rest is portal. Do you think that that's a trend that's going to continue or do you think that they're they're wanting to get back to the four or five man classes that they did have in the past? I think four. I think four is a good number. Um, and and it's that's what it was for the longest time until Sky left and then Shaden reclassified. So it was a four man class, but it just I think, I think it's I think it's wild to find it the second straight spring. Now last year Hickman decommitted and that made it two. Uh, but this is certainly a different class. Like these guys are going to be able to step in immediately and help where Damien and Bryce just weren't there. Right. I think that uh like we talked about last year, whenever the one time transfer became a uh, official, I, I would still like to follow uh and maybe it's just going to be hard to do at Kentucky, given all the history of how quickly guys seem to come and go. But I've always thought, you know, if you could have three, maybe it would be a really good number, three guys from your freshman class that you know are going to help your team next year. And then if you could get a, I guess in some ways, a Damian Collins, Bryce Hopkins. Damian sounds like he's coming back for sure. We'll see on Bryce. Guys that maybe won't be able to help you immediately, but are good long-term uh, – Longer term, I should say, guys, to help out the program. I think that's a good mix because every year, you know, maybe you'll have at least two guys from a class coming back and then use the portal as necessary. The only thing I wouldn't want to see Kentucky get into, and this goes for either sport, really, uh, although basketball, obviously much fewer scholarships than uh, football, but I wouldn't want to get into a spot where you're having to over-rely on the portal. Um, I, I would think – like this year, I think Sean was going to set up really well. Uh, and I guess technically it still could if Shaden Sharp returns, and we'll see what happens there. But if Shaden were to come back, you probably have your starting wings right there with Shaden and Kaysen. Yeah. And I think I think Livingston's have a, a good chance to start as well at the four, depending on what Cal chooses to do there. So in the scenario, let's say Sky Clark had to stay committed, I don't think there was going to be a scenario where Sky was a starting point guard next year. But as a guy coming off the bench um, – I mean, you would have had that piece for the future. But if you could add three starters from that class, plus then you look at your roster, who stays, who goes, and then go to the portal to kind of supplement any immediate needs. And maybe get a guy, you know, because you, you could look at a team and say, all right, well, this would be a, kind of a luxury for us. We could go to the bench, like be able to acquire a bench piece the way I think C.J. Frederick uh, was intended to be on this team had he been healthy. So I think the portal is certainly going to be there. To help Kentucky, I think they can add some good players. But I think, in my mind, getting the top high school players to kind of be, I guess, the stars, really, the way Cal had done it for a long time and the way I think Shaden would have been or will be, we'll see. Um, and then if you can catch a couple breaks, get a guy like Sheboy back, um, that seems to be the one guy this year, then, I mean, I think you could have a, a pretty pretty special roster. But I still think this – it's still so new, though, that it's hard to kind of see how it's going to be year in and year out. How, how would you approach it? Well, and, and that's the thing because it feels like every single year it's it's kind of going to be different. You, If you're getting the elite guys like Wallace and Livingston, then you stay doing that. Like you you go get Sharp. You go get Case and Wallace. You get a Chris Livingston. You get the best of the best. Uh, you know, and, and that's I think that's the way that you try to, to load it. And then you look at the portal the way that 
I've said it for the last year, you kind of go fill what you need, but there's good talent that goes in the portal. Like there, there are roster changing players that hit the portal that can make an impact. Uh, we saw that this past year, you know, Oscar Sheboy, obviously that's a guy that did kind of thing, things that hadn't been done in 35 to 40 years, which, which leads me into this, Derek, with, with the roster, we know that Cal has to recruit hard and it's probably mostly going to be portal. I'm not just like last year, Tata Washington was a late addition via the high school route. I'm not sure they add a guy from the high school route this late. So a lot of it will have to be portal and returning guys, but his biggest, his two biggest recruits for the spring have to be Shaden Sharp and Oscar Shibway. I, I honestly think that they have to have one of those guys back to really piece something together that one fans can kind of get excited about and kind of hide some of this pain that they've had for the last two to three weeks. If you don't have one of those two, I think there's going to be less optimism going into the summer and into the fall. But if you get one of those guys, and I think you have a lot to build around, not only on the floor, but also in goodwill with your fans. Yeah, and then at the dream scenario, it would have to be to get both, both back, which, I mean, I don't even know what the odds would Pre, be for that. Possibly preseason number one if you get both of them. I, I think there's a good shot at it. I mean, you, you return the national player of the year and then possibly the number one overall pick in the draft to go with the guys you have coming in and what you have in the portal. That, that's a pretty good team. That I, That's the perfect scenario. If you get one of them, though, I, I do think that a lot of people will at least be intrigued and looking at it thinking, okay, they can bounce back. Between those two, do you view one as more important than the other? Man, see, that's ever since we talked yesterday, I've been trying to figure that out because Oscar covers up a lot. Uh, real quick, Sean and I had about an hour and a half conversation. Uh, <laughs> to get our minds right before today. we talked about this. Because um, that's the thing. Like, I think you could go both directions, but if you ask the fans, I don't even know. I think it would be split. I think the love for Oscar would kind of maybe win the voting for him. You'd return the National Player of the Year, a guy that impacts the game in so many different ways. But it just feels like Shaden Sharp and having that guy that could go possibly be the number one pick again in the draft for the first time since Carl Anthony Towns at Kentucky, I think that would be something big for the program and set it back on course for what it used to be is getting that payout from it, from and a guy that getting drafted that highly. But then again, man, Oscar Sheboy, how many how many teams returned the National Player of the Year? A, a guy that was dominant as him. It, that's such a hard pick. Yeah. I think the way, and I don't know what the answer would be, I think the way to view it, because you're probably not going to find, you're not going to find Shaden Sharp's talent yeah, in the portal, a, a guy like you're not gonna. I guess the way I phrase it, you're not gonna find a top ten pick in the portal. Mm-hmm. But since he didn't play, he had no production, so you're not really talking about. You know, we we don't necessarily know what he would have looked like had he played. But if you go by all the NBA people, I mean, he's somewhere like in the five to ten range, I think, in most of the mocks that I see. And then with Oscar, though, you're not gonna find another college player that had that kind of impact on their team most likely not not at the not at the high major level anyway and plus you add in oscar's just likability i think one of the more popular kentucky players in in quite a while so i but i guess my question would be i i kind of feel like you could find well at this point they're probably not there because and guys are gonna keep going on the portal like what a terrence shannon jr from texas tag yeah 
be able to replace what Shaden would give. Like, I don't know. But I think he – if you're telling me you could have a lineup, this is totally theoretical. Let's just say there's a lineup of Wheeler, Wallace, and Shannon with either Livingston or Toppin or Brooks or whoever it might be and Sheboy. It's a pretty good lineup. But if it's a lineup of Wheeler, Sharp, uh, Wallace, Washington, and then fill in the blank, Damian Collins, probably not some other center from the bit. Like you would probably have, I'd probably have to see what the options are. You know what I mean? Your, your backcourt to, to me, your backcourt could be solid without sharp, I but, think your, so too. but your front court could have serious issues. If, if you don't find the right guy or two in the portal like that, and then you're kind of giving up your front court to make your backcourt elite. But the one thing I'll also say is we know that guard play really carries teams in the NCAA tournament. We saw it this year. Oscar goes for 30 and 16 versus St. Peter's in Kentucky. Can't survive the first round because it's backcourt was what? It was horrible. It was outplayed. <laughs> it was completely outplayed. So, but that's the, that's the thing with this is with Wallace and depending on what they add in the portal, I think their backcourt could be good enough and could certainly upgrade itself if Oscar's there that you wouldn't fall kind of on that sword again. But if you get shade and sharp, you have a three level scorer and arguably the the top player heading into the NBA draft the following year. And I just think that that's a big deal. And But I, I think Casey Wallace is going to kind of fix a lot of things in that backcourt, especially his ability to play both ends of the floor, uh, his ability to be a two-way player, Derek, and, and guard. And then the, his offensive game just continues to grow. Like that highlight clip that, that we saw from McDonald's practice, that, that was a very, very efficient clip. And obviously that's two minutes of his best highlights. We didn't get to see all the other stuff, but him doing that in those sessions, he showed a lot in those, in that two minute clip for his game, how it's expanded, you know, three point line, uh, finishing going left and dunking with his left hand, like pretty impressive stuff to see. You, You remember John Wall back in the day used to throw the ball down and dunk it with his left hand. And I thought that was so amazing because you don't see many players dunk it with their off hand offhand. So I thought that clip of him doing that yesterday, going to his left and finishing going through, I, I thought that was impressive. Just from the clips that I've seen of him, not only from McDonald's, but other videos I've seen, he just always seems to be in, in such good control on the court. And I uh, really like the pace he plays with. Um, I don't know how he's going to shoot it in Lexington. We'll see. But I, I just think having that toughness defensively will go a long way because uh, – Man, it got bad there at the end from the guards in terms of when it can when it comes to defending. They didn't really defend well at all. If you want to just say the whole postseason, starting with the three games they played in the postseason, they, yeah. they didn't defend well at all in any of those games. I do think, Sean, I mean, it's kind of interesting to me. This is a t- we're recording this on Tuesday uh, evening. So the season's almost been over with for two weeks now. And the only – correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the only roster – change there's even been officially is uh Dante Allen going to the portal yeah. right that's it that's it and that's very surprising to me I don't know about uh, you yeah and I'm kind of wondering so with with the one-time transfer rule obviously we we've talked about this and and guys there are some guys on Kentucky's roster if they transfer will have to get a waiver to play again and and I think that they would so who would those guys be if they decide to leave you've already had Jacob Toppin that's transferred once You've already had Xavier Wheeler that's transferred once. Is there anyone else that's transferred in that has eligibility remaining? Yeah, CJ, right? 
CJ, but I don't, CJ's not, I don't think CJ even has a decision really. I think CJ is locked in, but like you said it, after they lost to St. Peter's, John Calipari has every right to do whatever he wants to with his roster. Like you said it and you're entirely right about it. And could that be something that's kind of being discussed right now in meetings? Like if there are some guys that want to transfer again, that maybe this isn't the best fit for them or Cal and both parties want to go a different direction. Is that kind of holding it up and they're trying to figure out, okay, if I do transfer, am I eligible to play somewhere else immediately, even though I've already taken advantage of this rule? Is, is that holding it up? But this is a, this is a situation, Derek, that I think needs to start playing itself out. And I think it will before this week is over. I would expect some other domino to fall this week, whether it be an NBA decision or a transfer decision or a coming back decision, because you kind of want to know where you need to go in this portal. And you, you want to see who's in the portal and you don't want to be here thinking, okay, I'm going to start recruiting you, but I have no idea what this, this guy's going to do. And will he be back? Will he not be back? Because there's names going in the portal and it feels like Kentucky's reaching out to everyone, but how serious are those options? We've talked about Shannon from Texas Tech. I think that that's priority number one in the portal right now. I know that there was a lot of talk about uh, Corbello from Illinois. I don't want to see that on Kentucky's roster. I feel like that is literally Sabir Wheeler again, but I think Sabir does more for you than what he does. Yes, and it's just – there. you could make an argument that Illinois was better without him, and I just don't want to see them go that route again. When they go point guard – if it's not a guy that's shooting or if it's not a guy that's able to just fly over top of you and make plays through you at the rim, then you better be going with the guy that is a capable shooter. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I, I totally agree. It's we're still so early in the stages for next season's roster that it's. I think the people who have like a lot of anger at this point, and again, probably, I mean, man, when they lost to St. Peter's that night, that, that was, uh, that was bad. I mean, it, and now that two weeks have gone by, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not totally out on Cal, although I do think there are going to be people who are and nothing that they do uh, is going to change that. If they, if they think Cal's a problem, the way he coaches his philosophies, offense, defense, whatever it may be, if they think he's the issue and no roster additions or whatever can save it, then it's going to be a long off season for those people. But for the ones who are kind of in wait and see mode, which is where I, I certainly am because like we said, if you get sharp and she way back, I think even the biggest critic right now couldn't help but be excited yeah. for what next season could be, but those are both huge ifs. So the way I kind of see it, Sean, just looking at, I wrote down some notes a couple of days ago. 
the guys that I mean, I feel like at this point in time on March 29th that I, that I do think will be in Lexington next year. You obviously have Wallace and Livingston signed. Um, they'll be here. I have Collins, who has already said it was reportedly going to be here. And I don't think that's going to change. The only way I would see that changing is if like two stud big men went into the portal and UK just felt like they had to have both. And like maybe it became a situation where he felt like he was going to be pushed out a little bit. But I, I actually don't see that happening. And I, and I like Collins long term. I think this is a there'll be some conversations to be had later this summer on Collins because I think almost more than anybody, depending on what other additions are made, his development could be one of the biggest keys to next year's team. And I'm not exaggerating because he's just got some things that if he puts it together, he can bring some stuff that no one else can, but I do like Jacob Toppin to come back. You mentioned that he was a transfer from Rhode Island. He had to have the waiver back then. I can remember, I guess, Sar and Toppin that night, right? Um, yeah, at the same Back time. before that disaster of a 2021 oh, season. It, uh, if that's the situation, then is he this is does his next transfer? And I'm not saying he's transferring. Like I hope yeah. he comes back, and and I think there's a good chance that he does. But if he were to transfer, would he now fall under this is his one time transfer under the new rule? I would think. I, I would so. think so. Yeah. So that would be my thought. Um, now Savir's the one that used the advantage of the rule. Yes, this year. Yeah. And that that's the one that. And I and I don't think it's a, it's a guarantee, Derek, that he's back next year. I, I don't. Uh, given the way the year ended, I think that Cal won't look at it. I think that there's a chance he comes back, but I could I wouldn't be shocked if he's not. I wouldn't. I did have him uh, wrote down, so I had Frederick. He's the only other guy. So I, I basically have six guys, and I did write Savir down. So I had I had the two incoming freshmen, Damian Jacob Toppin, and then uh, C.J. Frederick, and I did have Savir, but Savir was the one that I put the asterisk next to because of that because. I'll, I'll just say it. I think you have to explore point guard options. You have to, yeah. Whether it be a guy from the portal, I, I have. I'm not trying to start rumors. I have no idea. I just remember Robert Dillingham back. Uh, I think there was thought that he might be a reclass guy when he was going to go to NC State, which he decommitted a few weeks ago or last week, whenever it was. I have said before on this show that. I felt like having the transfer portal now would, would probably eliminate the need to have reclass guys. And I would still believe that in most scenarios, but just from what I know about Dillingham and his offensive skill set, I think he would bring something uh, that would be worth having on next year's team. And again, I, the, I would say probably way more likely if they're going to have a different point guard next year, it'll be from the portal and not a, and not a reclass guy. Cause that, that would be asking a lot from a, it would, especially, I mean, we've seen, Hagen's, I think, reclassified back into his normal class, but he was, you know, he was, he was okay. He, he had some good moments as a freshman. Askew, I think, was just a total disaster. Everybody can agree on that, and I don't want to blame him so much. As I mean, they just didn't have. It was just a bad year. But uh, whether that person would be from the portal or whatnot, that's where I think Savir would have to make the decision. Because I would say in Savir, uh, if you're asking him, he probably felt like the way he played this year and, you know, he had some good moments, but he also had, he had some glaring bad moments there at the end of the season. I mean, a lot of turnovers and didn't play well at the end of the game against St. Peter's, but we talked about it. I mean, everybody melted down around him outside of Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to pin everything on Savir. I just think he – I personally feel that he limits the ceiling of the team unless he were to improve his jump shot tremendously. And at this point – aren't you just kind of are what you are as a, yeah. going into your senior year of college? I mean, he's not going to magically become a good shooter at this point. And I do think, especially the other thought I had, and I'll, I'll toss it back to you. 
and this is where it is hard to know because we don't know if, if he were to leave again. I, I think UK would do everything they could to get him eligible next year at his new school if that's what he wanted to do. But whenever you evaluated, because Savir was the very last edition last summer, right? From what I remember. Yeah, he was. Or one of. So well, you had, if you, if you were John Calipari and that coaching staff, if we take it back to last May, Dante Allen was coming off a year where he contributed. Yeah. You viewed him as a guy who could shoot. You viewed C.J. Frederick coming in, 46% three-point shooter. Uh, Kellen Grady, you viewed as a very capable three-point shooter. Davion Mintz had his moments last in 2021 where he would go off in games. And then you had Tata, who had shown in high school that he was capable of shooting. You had a, a roster. You should have had a backcourt littered with guys who could shoot the three-point ball. Yep. At, at this point, Frederick was hurt for a year. I think if he plays, he'll be a very good shooter. But can you count on him to play 31 regular season games? Like, I don't know that he's shown that in his career that he'll be able to do that. Dante's obviously gone. Mintz and Grady have graduated. What I'm getting at, if you're Cal, I think you have to evaluate, would you be putting Savir in the best situation? Would you be putting the team in the best situation? Depending on how the rest of the roster is constructed, would it benefit the team more to go out and add a different point guard? That's but, probably where we're still too early to know for sure, but I yeah. think that's a question he has to ask. And, and that's what I think complicates it because Savir could look at it last year and Kentucky could look at it last year late because that was in May. The only other addition that was added after that was Davion Mintz returning. So That's right, yeah. So you could look at it late and say, okay, this works because we have you know XYZ here. We have shooter at this spot. We have a shooter at this spot. And then you mentioned C.J. Frederick. You know, he was he was healthy at the time or it was under the assumption that he was going to be able to play the entire season and be available when the year started. This is what complicates it, because right now you have no idea what your roster is going to look like. You know, you got Kaysen coming and at, at the backcourt, but is Sharp going to be there? Is is CJ going to be healthy? Who else is in the portal? And, and I think that that's what makes it such a complicated decision right now, not just for Kentucky side, but I think for Savir, too, because if you don't have shooters around him, then I think Savir, the, the bad side of Savir kind of overshadows the good side of Savir. So that's where you need those shooters to space the floor. And maybe this is the decision that they look at and see. I, I would like to see Wheeler on the roster next year, but I want to see what all they bring in and what all their options are. And I think Cal owes it to himself and the program to kind of look and see if there is a better fit. But then again, you, you got to look at Savir too and do what's best for Savir. I mean, it's definitely – I get it's kind of – we're not pushing anyone out the door. No, it's no, just, not at just all. Trying to think, hey, they they were nine and sixteen, then they looked the part, and then they lost to a fifteen seed. The pressure that's going to be on this team next year when they take the floor in an NCAA tournament game is going to be the most ever. It'll be four years since their last NCAA tournament win when they take the floor next year. It'll be that's like crazy. a couple of weeks, like something like this is a program that desperately needs to go on a run. When you've got other blue buds in this Final Four right now, and the success that Villanova's having. You just got passed in all-time wins. You just got passed in tournament wins by North Carolina. There's a lot of changing of the guard right now that I, it's not sitting well with fans, and it shouldn't. And not only that, you got Arkansas heating up on the recruiting trail under Musselman back-to-back Elite Eight appearances, and now he has talent that can get him to a Final Four. There's a lot going on right now that are kind of making people in Kentucky go, all right, what, have, what are you doing for me lately? And John Calipari needs to, needs to get the doing, and it has to be this coming year. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I texted you today. Uh, 
And this is absolutely subject to change because I think everybody's rosters are going to continue to go through changes in the coming weeks. Depending on NBA decisions slash transfer additions, like I, I think as of now, you have to look at Arkansas. I mean, Jeff Barzello last night from ESPN was talking about Arkansas being in contention for preseason number one overall. <laughs> so I think you have to look at Arkansas. And I think Tennessee, as of now, I think both those teams are better than Kentucky right now going into the next season. Now, if if, if Sharp comes back, if Sheboy comes back, they get some other other people, then, you know, we might look up here in May and say, you know, Kentucky's probably going to be better. But as of now, I think at best you're the third best team in the league. Yeah. Uh, and that's just – and it's still hard to say. I mean, you're, you're months away from, you know, playing another game. I believe uh, this might be the year that they have the international – uh, trip or whatever where they yeah, were allowed to is. play so you, you know with that you'll have we'll be able to see the team a little bit earlier but in terms of building the roster i don't think that's going to speed it up anymore but that's the thing. yeah well i'm just so, gonna say you're not the like you're not the clear cut for basically the entire tenure up into the last few years kentucky was even if they didn't win the league you still felt like every year kentucky was probably going to be the best team i don't know that that's the case anymore yeah, and I had no idea. I was just taking a guess a couple of weeks ago when you when I said I trust Arkansas to make a run more than those other teams. Yeah, they proved <laughs> the me SEC. wrong. Well, I, well, it just I just looked at it and I I was putting a lot on Eric Musselman. I think that he is a very good coach. I think that Absolutely. he knows the game, and I've liked him ever since I watched him take that Nevada team to the Sweet Sixteen a couple of years ago. And then he took the Arkansas job. I like his energy. I'm taking his shirt off a lot. I mean, I'll give it that, but Hey, that's a guy that I'm just going to go ahead and say on this pod. And, and I tweeted out last night that he's going to be someone that's linked or on the short list for every big college basketball job. Now your big college basketball jobs, I'm talking your, your Kentucky's your Kansas, the, the, the blue blood jobs, anyone that, that would be considered maybe a lateral move or, or something a little bigger. I mean, Arkansas is a program that has won a national championship. They've been to final fours, but it's not on the same level as Kansas, as Kentucky. Carolina and Duke are set. But I could see this depending on what happens with John Calipari. And I'm not saying John Calipari is leaving Lexington anytime soon. Like, I have no idea what Cal's path is. But I now can say there were a lot of people talking about Nate Oates last year. Is, is Nate Oates a guy that at some point down the line could land a blue blood job? I, I just think now what I've seen from Nate, I want to see what he does this year. Yeah, Maybe that's not sure. the type of job that he's built for, but I want to see how he bounces back and where he goes from here. I still think he's a good coach. But to me, Musselman has put his name in the conversation for all your big-time job openings, even your ones that aren't considered blue bloods. Maybe like, like somebody at some point is going to have to pay, uh, replace Jim Beheim at Syracuse. You know, there's there's jobs that are going to open up. Or are there other places at uh, Michigan State? You know, Tom Izzo, at some point, somebody's going to have to replace him. Those jobs, those are the ones that I'm talking about that Musselman will at least be on the list and get a phone call. And I'm starting to throw him in that short list to, uh, for Kentucky whenever it opens up at some point down the line. If Musselman is still doing well and what he's doing, the way he's recruiting and the way that he – his energy. Like last night he tweets out three a picture of him with three McDonald's cheeseburgers, three McDonald's All-Americans. Like that felt like something John Calipari would do. Yeah, he's a guy that has proven – I mean, he's going to have the number two class. No one's going to pass Duke, third class. But he's going to have the top class in the SEC on the recruiting trail. And he's proven to you over – even going back to Nevada, even before the the one-time free transfer 
immediate eligibility. He's always blended transfers into his teams very well. JD Note this year was a transfer. Um, what's the kid's name? Umade, is that how you say it? Stanley? Yeah. Yep. He was a transfer. Um, but then from the high school ranks, you know, he recruited Jalen Williams. Devontae Davis was another guy who uh, had been recruited out of high school. Moses Moody last year was an elite player that he was able to get to Arkansas. I mean, they've had a pretty good run of in-state players that have stayed home. Well, um, And that's going to be the case next year, too. But going out, you know, he went into Texas last night to get Anthony Black, um, yeah. who I think a lot of people thought was maybe Oklahoma State bound or, or Baylor, one of those two. I, I don't think he had any crystal ball picks for Arkansas. So I was a little surprised when I saw that last yeah, night. He had a couple to Gonzaga that flipped late, you know, yesterday. So this was kind of out of nowhere. Then you well, know, he, and, he, he won that recruiting and, battle. And Musselman said after they lost the other night to Duke, um, I'm going – I'm starting to recruit. I'm going to recruit. I'm, I'm getting in there for next year. And and that's the kind of energy that I'm talking about that, that I like about him. I'm not pushing John Calipari out the door by no means. I'm just saying when the time comes, if it's it, – it, there's a time frame, right, when it comes to coaches. It's got to be the right time period. That's like with, with Kenny Payne to Louisville. Like had it waited any longer, then I don't know if Kenny gets a head coaching job. Because, I mean, Kenny's not the youngest guy. I mean, Kenny's – how old is Kenny? 50 55 I think 55 so I mean if you're getting up 60 plus like do you want to make that move for your head coaching job so Musselman is actually an older guy too uh I'm not sure his age he's in his 50s is he he might be 50 yeah he might be 55 if I'm not mistaken 57 yeah he's 57 so also it is hilarious that one of the first pictures on Google that pops up of him is in an Arkansas football yes (laughs) with the pads on and the football on his end like he's a high school recruit (laughs) But for me with him, and, and I'm not saying he's going to be the next UK coach, but I'm just saying the, the, the stuff that he's doing, you at least got to pay attention to him because there, there were things that John Calipari did that made you start paying attention to him when coaching searches came up. And there's things that Rick Patino did 20, 30 years ago that, that made you start paying attention to him. And there, there are all those pieces that you, you look around college basketball and we get asked all the time, right? It, when Cal leaves and even when things are good, who replaces Cal? Like that, that was a question when they were winning a lot of games and, and going to, to the deep in the NCAA tournament. Okay, where do they go if something happens? Is Kenny Payne the next guy that replaces it? So I, I think Musselman's a guy that you start looking at, but obviously the timing has to fit when it comes to something along those lines. And I had a couple of people reach out to me last night and say, no, nope, he needs to win a national championship before I'd ever consider him at Kentucky. Well, Joby Hall hadn't won one. Rick Pitino hadn't won one, Tubby Smith hadn't won one, and John Calipari hadn't won one, and they all four have national championships. Like, that's not an indicator for me. I just want to see what you do at a job like Arkansas or somewhere else, and if you do that there and you recruit there, you can certainly do it at Kentucky. Yeah, I'm going to make the statement right now and feel pretty confident that UK's next head coach is not going to be a national title-winning head coach. That's not a – It's hard for – nobody gets that hardly. Guys don't really leave jobs in college that if they win a national title, they're kind of there for. Roy Williams wasn't a national title coach when North Carolina hired him. He, yeah. he played in a national title game and Final Fours at Kansas, but he didn't win one. John Calipari had that been in Final Fours. That would actually be interesting. Who was the last national title winning coach to leave for another college? Like that job directly, not, yeah, not, not, not NBA in between. Went, yeah. Like that's, that's not really a standard to hold somebody to. I, I will say too with Arkansas – that Gonzaga one was huge, I think, to validate them. I mean, his their tournament wins, and again, you got to play who's on in your bracket. This year, they beat Vermont, they beat New Mexico State, obviously pulled the upset over Gonzaga, the number one overall seed. 
really good job. And then last year, their lead eight run was Colgate, Texas Tech, and then Oral Roberts. So, I mean, a couple of good wins in there. The Gonzaga one is great. Uh, Texas Tech last year, that was a top 25 Ken Palm team. But, you know, you've also beaten four teams that weren't high majors in the tournament. So, I mean, they've had some good draws there um, to get to these deep runs. But if you do just watch his teams play, I, I think he would be more than capable of, of handling this job and doing those other things. Um, it is kind of wild when we look at Eric Musselman and then you look at Cal to think that they're just a few years uh, separated in age <laughs> because he seems much younger. Uh, Cal's 63. But you got to think, man, Cal's going on year 14 this upcoming year. I mean, it's – I think if you would have asked any – even the most optimistic Kentucky fan in 2010, how long you think Cal's going to be here, there's no way in hell they would have said 14 years. I know I, I was probably hoping for five back then. And he almost left after what five? Yeah, after five. I think that was the summer where he he nearly went to Cleveland to go back to the NBA, and uh, he chose to stay. And he's he's been here, and I think he'll probably finish up his basketball coaching career at Kentucky. But there's no doubt this is a huge off season. I mean, everybody knows what's at stake. I I want to see kind of how this shapes up, and I think the last thought I would have just in terms of when these roster decisions could come or, or go. I, I think no matter what the one guy I would target regardless of what Shaden Sharp wants to do, what, what other guys on the roster might do. I think the Terrence Channing kid from Texas tech is a legitimate potential difference maker and a guy that would thrive under Calipari and how he wants to coach. And I think he is, he's, he's actually, he would be the only player right now in the portal from what I've seen that I would say, yes, you should be trying to add him actively right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm looking at what you asked me a minute ago, and I don't know if it's ever happened. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It, with with head coaches, I'm I'm trying to find it, and I don't see it. I, I didn't know that Lute Olson went to a Final Four at Iowa before he took the Arizona job. Like I had no idea with that. That's your better indicator, like a guy who's been to a Final Four. Like that yeah. that would probably be. I would agree with. Like if you want to have a, a standard, I, I would agree that. But again, like Musselman hasn't been the one, but the way he recruits, the way that they run that program, how good they are, like I, I have no doubt he could produce at UK. But I do think a coach who's been to a Final Four that it, it's easier to sell for sure if you can it get is. someone who's been there. It is. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up? No, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm eager to see how it kind of shakes. I mean, this is going to be. I really enjoy the the roster building aspect to college. I mean, I, I know, like, I'm, I'm a little surprised, like I said, that we've not had any news yet. But at the same time, this is not going to be a quick process. And I, and I, there is a little bit of anxiousness to it just because, I mean, this, you could get to a point where maybe if you do lose a Sheboy and Sharp, it, it probably would be hard for me to think that they're actually going to be as good as what they would need to be next year. To, to make a run at it. To me, I think Kentucky fans want to be dominant again. And the only way in want to be my dominant is, you know, a 30, a 33-ish type, 34 wins, Yeah, I think, you know. But, but then you, you would have to make a run in the tournament to get to that. So in the regular season, I'm talking like 29 and three. I think that's the kind of season people want to see. And I wouldn't say it's totally out of the question if a couple of things break your way. But depending on what happens there, I think will be the difference. And because I just think it's got a chance to be 
you know, some of these kids coming into this program, I mean, like you said, in terms of the tournament game, I hadn't thought of it that way yet, but I think you're totally right. I mean, they're <laughs> going back to 2019 being the last time you won a game. I mean, Tyler here on those guys are about to be like on their second NBA contracts and even not won a tournament game since then. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. So, and I mean, there, there is a lot on the line this offseason. I think even more so than last year. Yeah. And, and 20 prisoner of the moment. I don't know. And 2020 would have won a tournament game. Would they have gone to a Final Four? We have no idea what the bracket would have looked like. But I'm confident that Maxie and Quickly and those guys would have won a game and I think so. And advanced in the tournament. So that that makes it sound worse than it actually is because then it would be two years if, if you didn't have the pandemic and everything. But still, two years at Kentucky is still that, – that number, that, that gap's, you know, way too, way too large and way too wide. So something needs to happen, Derek. And, and obviously there, there's a lot of fans paying attention to this. Uh, even the fans that are frustrated saying, I'm not paying attention until Cal's gone. No, you're, you're still, I'm still willing to bet you're paying attention. You want to see this thing change. So we'll, we'll be right here to talk about it all throughout the spring and figure it out. Derek, I know we, we need to get to some football episodes too, uh, coming up. I know there's been some football news with, you know, Vito Tisdale and stuff out for the season and then everything going through spring practice right now, the spring games next weekend. So we'll be getting to some football content as, as we go throughout and into the month of April as always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.